take that one too. Mm -hmm. There we go. So, um, so for those of you who maybe you're, it's just your first morning or you've maybe missed a couple of weeks, this is our third week on our series Gilgal. And um, most of you hopefully have been about, but perhaps some of you were um, on Teams and things. So I'm just going to take a little moment to just recap very, very briefly the last couple of weeks. Alan kicked off our series reminding us of the parallels that we've always kind of felt from the beginning of, of our journey with the Israelite journey as they left Egypt. And, um, and he taught us from Joshua 5 verses 1 to 12. And he, in that particular passage, he taught us how Gilgal was this really significant place for the Israelites on their journey towards the promised land because it was a place where the Israelites orientated themselves around the voice of God. That is, is um, primarily why it was so significant. And before they were to press forward in battle, it was the place where God reminded them of who they were and, and of all that, that he was calling them into. And we learned how Gilgal represented a place of a new grace for a new season. That's the phrase that Alan used, a new grace for a new season. It was a place of mindset shift, okay? It was a place that was uncomfortable, but it was also fundamental to sort things out within themselves before they could embrace everything that God was calling them into. It was the place, and this is our title, where they remembered their story, okay? That was the essence of our first week. They remembered who they were and all of the ways that God himself had stepped in to provide his wisdom and his faithfulness and even his might on their journey thus far. And as I said, we kind of feel like our story parallels with that a little bit. Then last week, Chris taught us um, how the opportunity that lay in front of them was a divine experience that God was setting up. But he reminded us of the verses in Joshua 3, that there was a call to consecrate themselves in preparation for everything that was to come. Because God understood the importance of that internal preparation that had to take place in their hearts so that they could recognize all that lay ahead of them. And so from Gilgal, the children of Israel had the, an opportunity to glimpse into the land that he was calling them into. And they could see their destiny there, but they could also see that there were giants and that there were battles that they were going to have to face. Um, and so following the Lord and doing what he thought was best was the only way that that they were going to succeed in that. Chris reminded us that, that they were stepping into miracle territory. And it kind of feels like we are too. And he brought us a real challenge for us to be generous with our time, to be generous with our money. And, um, and, and he reminded us most of all that while the season might seem uncertain, Jesus is steadfast. Okay, and so then that leads us to where we are this morning. So the next thing that happened at Gilgal was Joshua raised up an army. And so having remembered their story and having recognized everything that lay ahead, we can read in Joshua 5 verses 6 and 7 that the Israelites had moved about in the desert for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died. Okay, since they had not obeyed the Lord. That's why they died. For the Lord had sworn to them that, he would, that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. So imagine if you, like I can't even imagine this, but like there would have been over 2 million people. Like that wouldn't have happened quickly. Imagine that you didn't have WhatsApp and Google Maps to kind of tell the people at the back would they get a move on, right? These 2 million people had been traveling for such a long time. 
And they got them all together, and Joshua saw an opportunity to share the revelation that, um, that he had received from the Lord with this next generation, with these sons that God was raising up, all right? And it's, it's estimated that there were around 600,000 men of war or fighting men that it talks about in this passage that came out of Egypt. Like, that's a significant dent in two million, all right? And it's really helpful for us as we look at this passage to understand the cultural impact that living as a slave for so long and for such an extended period in their history would have had on their thinking. So there's this quote from this guy, and I'm not even going to try and say his name, all right? Um, but this man, <laughs> he says, he says, it would seem that the mind of the slave is limited to narrow horizons of immediate material fulfillment. Okay, that's what slavery does to you. The slave lives for a moment. He does not have the luxury of planning the future. His role is to simply survive the present. The result of this slave mentality will be a certain instability within the national mood of the people. So while these fighting men were still carrying this slave mindset, there was instability within the nation of Israel. And unfortunately, we can read for ourselves that it would appear this led to an inability among these fighting men to recognize the goodness and to recognize the faithfulness of God that had been displayed before them in the wilderness. It was, it, it was there, but they just couldn't see it because they were so entrenched in this slavery mindset. God had led them. He had provided for them. His heart was for them to step into the fullness that was in front of them, but they were their own stumbling block, okay? They spent their time grumbling, they spent their time giving off about Moses and all of the other leaders in the land. And so when the opportunity, if you can remember in the story, was put in front of them to first enter into the land, you remember when the spies were sent in? They chose to align themselves with doubt. They chose to align themselves with their own inadequacy. They chose to align themselves with a complete lack of faith in the leading of the Lord. They could have, and this is what's so heartbreaking about the story, they could have actually experienced all that God wanted to give them, but their own attitudes were the things that got in the way. They focused on their own inability instead of God's massive ability to bring them forward. But then we can contrast that with their sons who didn't have to contend in this way. In so many ways, it's actually kind of heartbreaking when you think of it. It's not like judgy, but you kind of feel sorry for them. They just couldn't get over that to, to see all that God had ahead of them. But their sons could, okay? This next generation that lived their formative years, as I was thinking about this this week, um, that all of their young childhood years, were they were formed in the reality of God just being there. They were formed in the reality of following his presence. Every day they woke up and the cloud was just there. <laughs> Imagine what that would be like as a child. God was just always with them. Like, it's incredible when you think about it. And so they were able to gain this really beautiful understanding of the faithfulness of God because he provided the manna and he provided the quail to them. So they, had, they, they, they saw the faithfulness of God, but they, that was coupled with their own spiritual adaptability because it was just a part of their internal fabric of who they were because they learned from a young age when the cloud moved, right, you had to pack up and you had to go. That would involve a level of adaptability, wouldn't it, of just following God. And so they learned how important those two things together 
were. That was just life for them. And I think as I reflected on this passage and hopefully as I can bring this challenge to us this morning, I've learned a lot of lessons from this new army that God was raising up. And in a lot of ways, I kind of find it sobering, all right? As we move forward, as Emmanuel poured it down as a body, move forward into all that God has for us in this next season, I believe that it's really crucial that we remember how our attitudes, first of all, strongly determine whether we get the chance to jump on board or whether we get left behind. That's the first challenge, right? I've had to examine my own heart about this. Do I have some things that I needed to fix? Did I have some stuff that I have carried with me, maybe from you know, previous experiences that kind of would get in my way? Do I fully believe in the faithfulness of God or do I lean on my own understanding like the older generation of fighting men did? Am I spiritually adaptable enough so that <laughs> I don't let my own ways and my own understanding hinder the progress that God wants to do in our church? Because as I read this passage, what I get from it is God's faithfulness partnered with our spiritual adaptability, it makes for an unstoppable army. That's what I get when I read this. Remember Chris taught us last week on this verse in Joshua chapter 3, and it said, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That was our verse last week. And if you can remember, for those of you who were around during lockdown, we actually gave this verse out. Uh, Janet beautifully wrote it out for us, and we delivered it around everybody's home as well, because we felt that there was something on that particular instruction for us as a church at that time. And it kind of feels like consecration, it's not a one-off thing. You don't just do it once, okay? It's not just something that you do and then you think, right, that's me sorted out for the rest of my journey. It's, consecration is how we remain supple, how our hearts remain supple to the leading of the Lord. And it feels like it's so important for us. And so as I thought about all this week, I kind of thought, could we be the next generation of fighting people, fighting men and women. Could that be us? Could we be this next generation that God is, is raising up in this time? Because we have to wonder if the old tactics that those original fighting men used were not going to be viable as they stepped into the promised land. These old mindsets, as we were taught in the first week, they had to be left behind. God was after the next generation who had fresh imagination, who had teachable hearts, and who would be willing to take his instruction on board. Joshua himself was seeking out those who would yield to his leadership, not blindly, okay, but who would yield to his leadership, who wouldn't really put up a fight and resist what he was trying to um, bring the revelation from God about. And he would respect the fact that in that particular time in history, Joshua was the one who was receiving the revelation from God. Now, of course, we're not in Old Testament times. We're in New Testament times. Jesus has told us that we all can get revelation from him. Okay, so that's, that's not the, the rabbit hole that we're going down this morning. But these sons discovered an alternative way of fighting. They discovered a new way that hadn't really been done. Like, who would walk around a city and expect it to fall by blowing some trumpets? Doesn't make sense, but they trusted what God said. All right. They discovered this alternative type of fight, not having to do things just because the way it's always been done, just because that's what you do when you go to church. They weren't holding on tightly to tradition. And maybe does this echo the time that we are living in as a body? 
a lot of the ways that maybe we've done church before for us personally, but maybe even in the land, I don't know. But the ways that we've done it, maybe it just won't work as we go forward. Are we open to being adaptable about that? And so the challenge I think that God wants to throw out to all of us this morning is, um, (laughs) are we going to shoulder the responsibility to get the revelation from him? Because it's not just the leaders that can do that. We trust that God can speak to you too. And if you ever feel that there's something that he has imparted to you that we need to hear, would you bring it to us and would you let us discern that? Now, the key part, I think, from the particular verses that we're focusing around this morning um, in Joshua 5 are particularly in verse 6. Now, I'm going to just read it in a different version this time because I think it brings just a different level of understanding. It says, For the sons of Israel... They walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Oh, doesn't that, like, when I read that, oh, something just inside me just went, oh, you know, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. These, these fighting men or men of war, they thought they knew better. <laughs> They thought they knew better than God. And to enter into the promised land with this mindset would have been disastrous for the whole nation, right? They would have tried to fight the enemy on their own terms. And the root of when we do that is kind of pride, isn't it? Thinking that we know better. It's um, maybe even woundedness sometimes. Well, that's just the way we've always done it. Nobody's going to tell me that I have got this wrong. (laughs) That's when the fight becomes ugly. And if there's anything that really grieves, I'm just speaking personally for myself here, not for anybody else, but I find that really hard to stomach in the church when the church starts fighting ugly. Because the church is meant to be Jesus' bride. It's meant to be beautiful, okay? And when the church starts fighting ugly, I just think that just goes against the Father's heart. That's not what this is about. And so whilst God calls us into a fight, first and foremost... Our tactic in this fight is to make sure that we listen to and we obey the voice of the Lord, okay? That's where these guys got it wrong, but that is where we really need to get it right. This new generation of warriors in this passage, they teach us how imperative it is that we first get God's heart on it so that we understand what the strategy of heaven is. Because it's so much bigger than what we're trying to build, isn't it? It's so much more than just us coming here on a Sunday morning, right? If it's not about that, to be honest, I have better things to do on a Sunday morning, (laughs) okay? I don't want to come to church if we're just about us building up our body because we want to have a slick church and wonderful ministries, all right? We want it to be about so much more than us. And so these new warriors, these sons of the fighting men, they had to learn how to fight differently. They had to learn how to do it in a different way than their forefathers and even the other nations around them had. Again, this guy... um, whose name I can't pronounce, he goes on to refer to it as this. This phrase is just, I think it's wonderful. What happens among these sons, he says, is a revolution of rising expectations. It's a revolution. What happens to them is just entirely different to what went before. God was increasing their faith levels. And I believe that he's doing that for us at the moment. We are to expect the impossible. We are to expect the impossible in the next season. And hopefully, uh, as a disclaimer, right, we're not actually calling anybody to physically fight anybody. If it's really important to put that out there, do not go out and say that Bruno McIntyre and Emmanuel Portadown says we have to go and fight. That's not what this is. (laughs) But 
The way that these battles and taking the ground for God played out in the Old Testament teaches us there's a way that we can frame how we do it as well, okay? We don't use the same strategies to fight that Joshua and the children of Israel did because Jesus came and he showed us that there's an alternative way of doing battle. And actually Paul tells us in the letter to the Ephesians that, um, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but that we fight against powers and principalities, right? So just remember that as we go forward. But what we're doing here from this passage and from this series is we're learning principles that led these people, but hopefully will lead us as well, to increase in the occupation into the inheritance that led before them and applying those to our story, okay? So considering the moment that we're in in history, we, things have just changed dramatically in the past couple of years, haven't they? We're, it does feel like there's something happening. Well, what are the tactics that we need to be relying on at this time? So keeping in mind God's faithfulness and our spiritual adaptability, those things are key. We believe that there's four main ways. There's actually more, but these are the four main ways that we can do battle as a body as we press forward into the next season. So the first one is prayer. It goes without saying, we're always banging the drum about the prayer meeting. It goes without saying that our posture for advancement primarily is seeking the face of God through prayer, right? That's just who we are as a church. It's our key focus in ter terms of one of our principles, okay? We're centered around prioritizing the presence of God because we believe that out of this place, that's where we get the revelation about how he wants to build the church because he's the one that builds the church. We can do what we need to every week to make things function, but God is the one who builds his church, all right? And that's how he draws other people to himself, and it's also really good to actually remember that the battles actually belong to him, okay? So we don't need to get like spiritually arrogant about things, all right? But prayer is the way that we can remain humble. We can engage in them through prayer and specifically through intercession. And that's, again, why we have our bi-weekly prayer meetings. And that's the reason that we taught into prayer through the prayer course in lockdown. Lockdown, that was very posh. Um, and, but prayer is this vehicle through which we do battle first and foremost because it clears the path, right? It's a weapon that we get to use against powers and principalities. So we do battle through prayer. The next way that we do battle is through giving. And we taught into this principle at the beginning of this year, if you were about. Um, if you weren't about, I'd love to just, if you're interested in this, I'd love to specifically direct you. You can go onto our Facebook page or SoundCloud and you can get particular teaching on the 3rd of April. If you just look for that date, I'll talk about um, how we do battle through giving. Um, but when we respond in worship to God by stewarding everything that he has given us well, and with an open hand, we're also engaging in battle, all right? I want to tell you this story that, that we came across when we first, um, when we did the big offering for the Toy Master building, when we were still up in McGowan West, um, we, Stephen and I heard a story um, of, of a family, and God had put a particular figure on their heart to give away. And the figure, if I can explain this right, so both people in, both, both people in the couple that's not right. We're earners. I'll just move on. They were earners, right? And it was about half of one of their yearly wage that God had put that figure on their heart to give away. But they knew it was right. And, and they, there were no, you know, they didn't struggle with it. It's just something that they decided to do. But it cost them. But I love these stories. Within a week, God gave the other person an annual pay rise of exactly the same amount that they decided to give away. An annual pay rise, so it wasn't just a one-off that they got that sum back again, they got it back every year afterwards. 
that is how we do battle. That is the opposite of what the world is doing at the minute, but that is another way that we can do battle. They stepped into blessing. It's not why they did it, but boy, did they step into blessing. Don't you love those stories? I love those stories. They just pump me up. I just love them, right? The next way that we do battle is through discipleship, right? It goes without saying that we are dedicated as a leadership to try and teach the word as best we can with God's help, obviously. So that we have environments, you know, like life group, we have our kids and youth environments that we can gather people around the word and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe life into it, to get in us and to transform us, right? That's why we do it. Discipleship is at the core of who we are as a church. So essentially we see the process of discipleship as equipping the saints, and this is from Ephesians 4, we try to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ so that when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow up and it builds itself up in love. So as we all grow together, that's what discipleship is. We will all do the work of the ministry. And that leads us to our last one. We do battle by doing the work of the ministry. We do battle by volunteering. And it is the main thrust of this morning. So get ready. <laughs> okay. Most of you will know at present, because I mentioned this last week, that we have about 11 teams, in and around 11 teams, making church happen every week. Okay. These teams are like, vital to the function of church each week. And, um, and people show up so faithfully to make church happen. All right. As I was reflecting, because I head up TOTS, as I was reflecting, most of our TOTS team are people who were here at the start. Five years ago, they said yes to being on TOTS, and they're still on it. And I think, and I'm just speaking about my team, but I know this is the case for all the teams, and I think that speaks to the character of people, to the level of commitment, that they see the vision of what it is that we're trying to do here. And I think it's beautiful. And so for all of you, actually, I hadn't planned to do this, but if you're on any team in church, could you just stand? Because we see you and we recognize what you're doing each week. So would you do that for me? Well, don't be embarrassed. But we just love to just honor. You guys make church happen. And we honestly love the fact that you're contributing. So well done. Let's give them a clap. <laughs> but I can only speak for myself around this, right? And so this is just me. But maybe some of you might identify with this. I just want to serve Jesus. I love him. I love what he's done in my life. And I want other people to know about that. And so something in me rises up. There's like an instinct or a reflex just rises up within me. And I want to give back to him because that's what love does. That's why I, I wash Stephen's socks. <laughs> because I love him. <laughs> I can't even go there. But that's what, you know, because I love him. <laughs> And, and, and I serve my family because I love them. And that's, that's why I serve Jesus, because I love him and I recognize his goodness in my own life, okay? It's just a reflex. It's just something that I want to do. I want to get on board with what he's building. I want to be about his business. That's just really a summary of the whole thing. Now, I feel it's really important that you know this as well. We recognize as a leadership that there are sometimes seasons in people's lives when you just don't have the same availability to do that. And that is fine, okay? So please hear me when I say there is no pressure from the front if you just can't do it at the moment, okay? Uh, don't be carrying any guilt. Don't be carrying any level of, oh my goodness, I'm not on to 
that's not what this is, okay? There are, there are seasons in life when there's maybe illness or people to take care of, and you just, you just don't have the same time, and that is totally fine, okay? So please don't go out of here feeling like you were guilted into anything. But I also kind of do want to then <laughs> balance that up with a bit of a challenge. Sometimes, because this has happened to me before, okay, sometimes I've been in a season and it's been really good to have a boundary around that season. Like when we had our kids, there were like three, three and under. It was nuts. But in that season, we had to set a lot of stuff down, okay, because I actually couldn't have coped with anything else in my life at that point. And that was fine. After a wee while, the season was kind of comfortable and I kind of wanted to stay there. And I kind of used it as a little bit of an excuse to maybe not get back in. But it was a season. And seasons aren't permanent. And there comes a time to transition out of this season. Because when you think of the Israelites, actually, when they went into the promised land, the manna and the quail stopped. They had to get to work if they wanted to eat. They had to put the work in as well. And look, I outlined all of the teams last week, and I want to take a wee moment just to quickly tell you, because I had a lot of questions last week, well, what do you do in Practical Servant, and what does this look like? So I'm going to just quickly blast um, all of these slides just about the different teams that are in church. Most of the time, and kind of where we want to get it to is that we have a monthly rota. So if you volunteer for any of the, time, or the teams, it'll be a one in four rota. Hopefully, that's where we're aiming for. First one, our primary area of need. I cannot stress this enough, so I'm going to bang this drum as much as I can. Kingdom Kids. To give you an illustration of how much we are in need, <laughs> last week I was hosting and doing the thing at the back, but it was also meant to be on Kingdom Tots. So Stephen was going to step into Kingdom Tots for me, but he actually was meant to be on the prayer ministry team. But then poor Debbie, having been on Kids the week before, had to jump into Kids again last week and was down asking Stephen would he go to Kingdom Kids last week. That is how much we need help in Kingdom Kids, okay? That's just the chaos of it. And, you know, we want to get people to the point where they're not having to serve every week in that, okay? We, and we want people to be in church. And if we could all step up and take on some of the roles within church, that would be great. What it looks like, it, there's, there's normally about 50 or so kids can be in there at any one time. Don't let that intimidate you. They're lovely. But we need about seven more to make the teams viable, okay? To make it that poor Debbie doesn't have to go into Kingdom Kids every week. And I think that's fair enough, all right? But what actually happens up there is beautiful because my kids go there. They learn about Jesus. They build relationship with one another, but they build relationship and are discipled by the leaders who volunteer there. And that is never to be underestimated because what happens up there is equally as important as what happens in here. Okay, so Kingdom Kids is not just a, oh, to go and do kids. You are imparting something of Jesus into children if you go on to Kingdom Kids. And could I gently challenge, if your kids go there, would you perhaps consider jumping onto that rota? Okay? An easy way to do it, and a one way that might not just feel as intimidating, is if you're married and you're in a partnership, could you maybe think about going on but as one person on the rota? And that would mean that you could take turns and you would only be on one and eight. So that, like, that's six times in a year. Like, that's not really too much of a big ask. So, Primary of need, Kingdom Kids, okay? 
Kingdom Tots, there is no slide for that, so don't worry. We're, we needed one person, but we got one person last week. But just so that you know, that is our preschool environment for kids, just for anybody who's new. Uh, 15 months and walking is the requirement for that. We want them to be walking so they're safe up to P1. Okay, youth. Youth, we have incredible teenagers in our church. Um, I tried to get as best photographs as I could of everybody, all right? So uh, Wilson and Emma, they head up youth and... Um, if you have a heart for our teenagers, they don't have a specific number of people that they need on board, but if you love being around teenagers, you want to really invest in who they are, you want to help them to understand the importance of biblical truth and how they can orientate their lives around them, and you're keen to invest in them, would love you to go and have a chat with those guys. They're going to be down at the back, okay? We're hearing some wonderful stuff. Actually, what blessed the socks off me last week is the teenagers were the most responsive to signing up. I think that tells you what Jesus is doing in them at the moment, doesn't it? So it's actually good even for you to get around those people because they might teach you something. Next one is worship. So Catherine Armstrong and Juve, they head those teams up. Neither of those guys are here today, but the other worship leaders who were here are going to man the table at the back. Look, this one is kind of niche. There is a certain level of skill that they need um, to be on the worship team, right? And there's no specific numbers for this one either. But if you're interested, um, we would encourage you to have a chat with those guys and they'll take you through a process. It'll be a process of a gentle audition, getting to know your heart, getting to see where you are with Jesus. Um, it is slightly more of a selective process, all right? So don't be offended if you sign up and maybe it's just not the right time for you to go onto that team. But equally, if you're interested and you can play the guitar <laughs> or the drums, um, that's because that's what they're after. You can sign up and see where it goes, okay? Sound, visual, and videos is Johnny. Johnny has shouldered this almost single-handedly for the past couple of years. And it would be really helpful if you could jump on board, particularly with sound, if you have experience in that area. You're somebody who could bring something to that. But if not, he can give you a wee bit of training, can't you, Johnny? Yeah. Uh, he needs two or three for the sound. He needs one more person onto visuals. Visuals is just this, um, looking after PowerPoints and things like that. And then we hope to get the video up and running again as well. So if you have any experience again with videoing, videoing things, that would be helpful. I don't think your phone counts, um, just in case, you know. Uh, the next one is hospitality. Hospitality, it's a fancy word for tea and coffee. Okay, we want to get that going again. Keith and Sharon look after that. Um, we used to do it before and after church, but we've kind of had a wee chat about it and think maybe just after church would be enough. It wouldn't be such a big job for anybody who would go onto that rota. Um, it would involve you coming in early, prepping the flasks. You get to be in church just a couple of minutes before the end. You'll go down, set everything out, put out the nibbles, then top up the flasks. That's tea and coffee, clean up at the end. Okay, so if you'd like to get on to hospitality, that would be great. They need four, four more people to make their team viable. The next one is practical serving. Jason is um, looking after practical serving. It, it kind of is what it says on the tin. It's like setting out the chairs, making sure the building is functional, giving the toilet a quick clean, um, fixing things, which I could not do. I would not be on the practical serving team. Um, and then maybe just giving the place a bit of a clean after tea and coffee. You know, it's that kind Kind of thing and Jason will keep us right with that. We need six more people on practical serving. The communion team, so communion doesn't just float out of the kitchen every week. Uh, we have Trevor and we have the McDonough's heading up that team. They need three more on their team. It's, it's prepping the bread and the juice every week. You bring that with you um, and uh, they need three more there. All right. 
Then we also just, as a wee extra, we do have Connect Cafe runs. Chris heads it up and he said he didn't really need any more volunteers. But if it's something like that is something that you're interested in, you can have a chat with Chris as well because it happens on a Friday morning. So we do have a volunteer code of conduct in a, in a manual in both churches. And it's, there's like a lot of stuff that we don't need to get into right now, but just so that you know what it is about, it's basically like, we're, you know, nobody's perfect. We're all in a process of becoming more like Jesus. But it's through the commitment that we bring to church and through stepping up to serve on team that we can become more like him, okay? And we can embody his character and be like Jesus. And so our standard of living and our conduct outside of church is equally as important as what we come to do here on a Sunday. And it should always line up with the word of God. But there's one little part at the end that I want to draw your attention to because I feel like if I don't do it now, I mightn't get an opportunity again, right? If you decide to step up on team, okay, we, we do, um, oh, I sound like I'm being really teachery here and I'm really sorry about this, but I didn't write this. <laughs> we, do, um, we do kind of put a level of responsibility back onto the volunteers again. So um, we do have an expectation in our code of conduct that if you're on team that you follow the calendar, you follow the rota that we put out. And if you can't make it, and sometimes life, you know, just happens and that's okay, but could it be your own responsibility to replace yourself so that it doesn't go back on to the leader of the team again because it happens a lot and then the poor leader's heads are pickled because they're trying to find people all the time. So how we do it in Kingdom Tots is we have a WhatsApp group and it works beautifully. I hardly have to worry about it because people just pop in. I can't be here on such and such Sunday. Could you cover me? And, and it works out really, really well. Usually everybody's very flexible around that. But the other thing that I wanted to say, and it's not on this, is oh, if you're on team, could you come on time? <laughs> Could you? We used to do church at half nine, and most people were able to be there by 20 to 10. So, like, we've got a full 45 minutes later. <laughs> okay. Could, could we come on time if we're on team? Okay. Um, the WhatsApp groups work really, really well around all of that. Look, as I, as I just close up this morning, I just, I w- I would just want to encourage you that actually being on teams is a really good way of getting to know people, all right? Um, it's a really good way of building relationship with other people. And I know that perhaps some of you, you know, you might be away a lot through the year and you might be put off being on a roadie. You might feel tied down by that. But I, honestly, the WhatsApp groups work really, really well. So I wouldn't let that put you off being on roadie because... Battle <laughs> involves a certain level of commitment, doesn't it? Battle is inconvenient. Battle is not glamorous. It's quite often messy. And we have to roll up our sleeves and get stuck in. And like I said, we're not trying to guilt people into doing more. That's not what this is, right? We know that so many of you are so faithful and you've really put your shoulder to the wheel, all right? You've got stuck in. And again, there's no guilt if you're in a season. Please don't be thinking that, right? But I had a picture through the week that I want to just finish off with. And I just wonder if it's for some people. As I was praying this morning as well, God added a wee bit more to the picture. So hopefully this all makes sense as I tie it all together. This morning, I felt like Jesus wanted key people to know that you have something to offer. He has put himself into you when you asked him to come into your life. And so the God who created the universe is alive and active within you, and he is the one who equips you. So if there's anybody here who feels like there's nothing to offer, I'm here to tell you that's contrary to what the Bible says, okay? 
But also, this picture that I had was of a big, big picnic blanket, right? And church was sitting all over it. And in one corner of it, there was a fenced part, and it said rest. So it, we, it, it, it's like the Holy Spirit was recognizing that there were some people who just, that's the season they were in. But there were other people dotted all over the blanket. And God just caught the corner of the blanket, and he just flipped it. And everybody started popping up all off this blanket because I felt like God was saying, it's time to activate. It's time to get stuck back in again, okay? So what's going to happen now after I pray is the, the guys who head up the teams, um, and I should also say if you're interested in life group as well, Stephen's going to be down there if you wanted to get your name down for a life group too. And the newcomers lunch sign up page is down there too. But the, the guys who head up the ministry teams are going to be at the back. And if God has been speaking to you over the last week particularly about this, go down and have a chat with them. And you can put your name down if you feel that now is the right time to do that. But I'd love to pray just as we close off. Jesus, when we consider um, you, when we consider how you gave your life away for us, that we could have fullness, we just humbly come before you with open hands and open hearts, and we just say, God, take our lives, <laughs> take our lives, and use them to build your kingdom, to, use, to build your kingdom in the church and to build your kingdom outside of the church. And Father, I really believe that there might be some people who have maybe felt that they have never had, never been enough and never had what it takes to serve on team. But this morning, I pray that your spirit would comfort and would stir up the gifts that you have put within them, that they would be, be confident of what it is that you're calling them into, God. And so, Father, we just even pray right now that you would just... Um, quicken our hearts, <laughs> quicken our hearts about ministries that, um, that just feel really key and that we feel like we want to give our yes to those. And God, we pray for um, grace and peace on those people who maybe can't at this particular season in life volunteer. And I pray that they will feel your goodness and your kindness towards them, Father, and that they would not feel any condemnation because that isn't of you, but that they will feel your grace towards them in this season. And so, Jesus, we, we want to be about your business. Would you come and build your church as we come along for the ride? In Jesus' name, amen.